Hi, I'm Holden Williamson here with Dash Tischler, and today we're going to be uh, reviewing the knockout stages and previewing the final. All right, so the first team was the U.S. What what were your thoughts on this U.S. team, Dash? You know, I think that, like, this tournament was – a lot of people are saying, oh, maybe this well, – maybe not a lot of people, but I've certainly seen people say, oh, this tournament wasn't a success for us, or, like, we totally got outclassed by the Dutch. But in the end, I think this tournament was a success for the U.S., um, coming in, I thought that they were the second most talented team in the group, but I wasn't sure that they would have an easy path through the group stage. And while I thought they'd make the knockout stages, I didn't expect that they'd do so so impressively. I thought that against the Dutch, they did a good job. For a lot of the game, they kept possession. Of course, there were the defensive lapses, but they did not look like a bad team who were totally outclassed. They just looked like an unclinical team playing a Dutch side who were clinical in the game. And in truth, I think that in the end, this World Cup has to be looked at as a success for the U.S. I mean, the performance against England, I think, was outstanding. Getting the win against Iran, I think, was a really impressive result. And while there are certainly issues, I think there's a lot to build on here. Like, I feel more confident about this generation of the U.S. than I did going in for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then the next team was uh, Australia to get knocked out. Ultimately, um, listen... If you told Australian fans going into this tournament that they would be in the round of sixteen, they would have they would have told you you were crazy. If you told anyone that, they would have told you you were crazy. But they somehow did it, and even so, um, against Argentina late in the game, they could have easily equalized and sent it into extra time. So, I, I think that if I'm an Australia fan. I'm looking at this tournament and saying I will look back on this for years to come and hopefully we build on it. But yeah. but yeah, I mean overall as a team it's it's tough to say that they'll be back because they're a lot especially in their attack there are so many older players. Uh Mitchell Duke, he's 31, 4 years from now. 35, probably not going to be in the World Cup. Um, Lecky, 31, four years from now, 35, won't be in the World Cup. Right? Jackson Irvin might, he'll be 32 or 33. Aaron Moy definitely won't. He'll be 36. So a lot of the base of this team won't be there. Matthew Ryan as well, he'll be 34. So, but, I mean, with the introduction of players like Cool, they they could be on to something, possibly. Um, yeah. We'll have to see. But uh, it it's it, for Australia's standards, it was a fantastic World Cup for them, and they can be happy with uh, what's what's happened. I agree. I mean, I think they're probably the single team who overperformed expectations the most at this tournament, other than Morocco. And like, if you told me that Morocco was going to go to the semifinals, I would have been stunned. But if you told me that Australia is going to go to the round of sixteen, like, I might have even. I think I've probably been similarly stunned. But at the same time, like, this you can make the case that this was the least talented squad they've had the last three World Cups. This was a team who a few months ago I w I didn't even think they would be in this tournament. And yet here they are. I mean, it's it's really impressive. And like you look at their squad, it's not a great squad, but the way they played against Argentina in that round of 16 game, 
they didn't even go out without a fight. Like they went out with a fight, which was really impressive. So I agree. This is a great tournament for Australia. It's something to build on. But the question is, will they be able to build on it? Because I, while I haven't read the articles, I've been seeing headlines talking about how Australian soccer is not really in a position to, to catapult to a higher level after this result. But we'll see. You never know. They've already upset the odds with their performance in this tournament. Oh, exactly. And uh, throughout the tournament, you know, there, in, in the past, there have been many questions about, do Australians really care about soccer? Right, it's the same questions that people have had about the U.S., but I think that throughout this tournament, um, the their fans, and actually ever since the tournament, Australian fans have shown they are extremely passionate. And uh, yeah, I mean, waking up at three in the morning on a on a on a weekday to watch your team play. I mean, that's insane, right? But, and they're doing it en masse, right? It's like thousands and thousands of people in, in a square, flares going off everywhere. It's, it's, it's incredible to see how, how it's really uh, already taken a nation's, uh, or how it so quickly it can take a nation's heart, right? Yeah. Um, there's certainly potential there for the fan base to like continue to grow the game. We'll just see. I mean, it'll be fascinating to see where they go from here, you know? Exactly. And then on to Poland, I believe. Yeah. I mean, this is a Poland side where honestly this tournament was, they made it to the round of 16, which I think is about where I had them going. So results wise, it's acceptable. It's like about what you'd expect, but performance wise, it was disappointing. I mean, they with the with the players they have, they should have been able to do better against France. And first half against France, I thought they actually were pretty good. It was better than I expected from them. But second half, they had no answer for the French. And before that first half against France, I had not been impressed by them when I had seen them play. Um, and even when I had seen them play, like I didn't watch them play Saudi Arabia. It still sounded like they were maybe lucky to win that game and arguably could have lost it. And when you look at the players they have, they should have been able to do better. I mean, Lewandowski is one of the greatest players of his generation, even if he had a disappointing World Cup. Um, Zielinski is a star at club level. I don't know why he's not been able to recreate that internationally. And, like, he's... I thought he was decent against France. Um, so at least he showed more sides of that. But like, he's a like, solid player. They've got other guys in that squad who are actually talented players. Like, for all the talk of it's Lewandowski and nobody, their squad is actually not that bad. Like, their squad is better than some other teams who made it to the round of 16. And their squad, and who put up a better fight than they did throughout the course of the tournament, at least in the round of 16, like they put up a good fight first half. But I just, I don't know why they can't do better than they've done. And I think that Poland seriously have to invest in finding the right coach now because with the right coach and the players they have, they should totally think that Euro 2024, they can maybe do better. But right now, this is now three tournaments in a row where even if this result was acceptable, the performances are disappointing. Absolutely, and and I I look at their midfield because that was that was one of the parts that was criticized the most, and I see a decent amount of potential. Right, you have uh, Jakub Kaminski who's twenty, you have um, uh, Simanski who's twenty three, you have uh, Frankowski who's twenty seven, Zielinski who's twenty eight. I mean. 
the 20 and se- uh, 27 and 28 year olds are near the peak of their talents but Zielinski he he's been fantastic this year for Napoli so i i, I don't understand why such um a promising midfield in terms of ability um or can 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 play like this you know i think yeah. that it's very disappointing and and i I'm also very surprised at the fact that for a nation with the defensive ability uh, that Poland has, they're they're playing a um, um, Krachowiak at, at, at defensive midfielder, um, who who at the moment is playing in the Saudi Arabian league, and um, I mean, yeah, he's not even really i mean he's playing okay but like still it's like how for a nation of poland's level are you are you playing retirees basically still yeah and i mean like even like just the other day like fabrizio romano talks about oh napoli are in advance talks to sign bartosz Bereshinsky. well you have a guy who's on potentially on his way to napoli you have a star for napoli you have milik who's a star for juventus you have Lewandowski. You have those young players. You have Matty Cash. You have Chesney, who was great, by the way. Why didn't they do better? I just, I have to wonder at this point. Because at this point, I think they've become, they're starting to become known for being a team who either do poorly in terms of results, do poorly in terms of performances, or do poorly in both when it comes to major tournaments. And there's no reason it should be that way. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And then on to uh, Senegal. Senegal... I I have to be completely honest when I say I don't know if they I don't know if if we're going by the general performances in the group stage that they particularly deserve to go through right other than obviously that last game um uh but I I think that they were in the group stages still a decent side uh, and that against England, mm, they started well. They started decent, and then it dropped off um, pretty quickly, and you could tell when it dropped off. And that's ultimately, in my opinion, because they needed that leader who they were missing in Sadio Mane, although I don't think Mane score-wise would have done would have completely overturned this result against England. Um, but I, I do think that um, that that lack of money really, really cost them in the end. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what can I really say? It's, it's a team that's, that's got talent, but um, I feel like, that injury of Mane really, really killed them in the end. Uh, and and I mean, listen, they have the they have the talent to to make up to some extent for that. But can you ever really make up for the for the impact of of such a player? I, I don't personally think so. Yeah, I think I, honestly, I was really impressed by the way they started against England. Um, I don't know that I really saw them doing that well. Um, in that game, so that was impressive, I thought. Um, but 
in the end, I agree with you. Losing Mane hurt. I think he would have given them more of an offensive threat. But I do think that in the end, this is a decent result for them. I mean, they got to the knockout stages, which is, I think, for a country like them, that's their target. And in that sense, they made their target, but they also did it without Mane, who is their best player. And they did it well, looking like a capable and worthy foe to England for a decent amount of that game before England just eventually turned on the Jets and played at a level that they showed they can hit on occasion in both that game and the Iran game. And I think that at the end, Senegal will feel like they did about as they should do. They can feel satisfied with their performance. But it'll be interesting to see now, like moving forward, can they develop the talent as players like Koulibaly and Mane age to continue the momentum they've been building on an international level over these last few years? I think that there is there is a possibility, especially because of the fact that there are a lot of good Senegalese young players that are in like French youth systems that are like dual nationals. And that's that's where they've really thrived in the past, right? Getting dual nationals from uh, from also European countries and convincing them to uh, to play for for them. But I do also I, I, I hope that the infrastructure within Senegal also improves as 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 groups uh, begin to start scouting in Africa after seeing an African team uh, make the semifinals for the first time ever. Hopefully, right, there's more um, scouting in the African continent because overall yeah. it's such an under-scouted continent due to the fact that, like, you know, the teams, they they don't like the risk of of um, taking on or – sending sending a scout to uh africa and the the scout not finding anything right right uh which i don't know why because it's like the same as sending a scout to north america or sending a scout to asia actually probably better chances in africa but but still uh yeah i i think that if if they finally start scouting, um, European club teams start scouting in, in Africa, Senegal, and a lot of other African teams will become a serious threat um, in the World Cup. And we could, in the very near future, if that does happen, uh, see an African winner of the World Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly not conceivable that could happen I mean, I don't know how soon would be fair to expect it to, ha- to expect it to be a likely possibility or like a serious possibility, but certainly you'd have to think that within at max of the next 50 years, we'll see an African team either come very close or win the whole thing. Like there's the, the potential is there. Um, and maybe, and who knows, maybe that would be Senegal. Like they're, they're a nation with a strong history of producing talent. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just like with some of the other teams, it'll be exciting to see what the future holds for this team. Yeah. And then on to Japan. Japan were... They they had put up a seriously good fight against a yeah. very, very good Croatian team. Um, And yeah, I mean, if they had practiced their penalties beforehand... You, you you could be saying uh oh this is this is Japan getting third place in the World Cup 
right? But yeah. but um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into Croatia too early because you're going to be getting into them later. Livakovic in net on penalties, you're not exactly going to win, to be fair, if you're playing against him on penalties. But uh, even with that being said, I felt the penalties from Japan were a bit weak. You know, I felt, uh, was it Minamino's that was like, I, I remember one of them was like particularly bad, but um, listen, I, w- I won't shame him because it's, it's a World Cup round of 16, right? Pressure is high. You have the entire country's hopes on your shoulders, right? And you feel your entire country's hopes on your shoulders, right? It's such a high-pressure situation. Uh, so, yeah. That being said, Gonda, fantastic throughout that entire match. The keeper for, um, for Japan. And at the age of 33 as well, he's he's that's uh, he's hitting his prime later. Huh? But um, yeah. but yeah, he 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 played fantastic throughout the entire uh, tournament, other than one or two mishaps, um, which I mean you can't really blame him for because uh, he was getting a bit peppered in some games. From what I can remember, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, their their attack was good. Uh, I uh, you know, twenty five percent of their shots on goal went in, so that's standard, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, they 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 were good, um, but. You have to step it up on penalties if you want to beat a Croatian side on penalties. That's just ultimately a good rule of thumb in general. But yeah. I think that, I mean, that Japan run was outstanding. And going to the tournament, I was pretty high on Japan. I thought they had a capability to make a surprise somewhere. I didn't predict that they'd go through the group because of the strength of their opponents. But I certainly felt like they could have pulled an upset. But, I mean, I feel like they were even better than I anticipated, you know? And it wasn't even necessarily, like, the ways that we thought they would be. Like, I, I would have thought that they would have been more reliant on Daichi Kamada if they made a run like this. They weren't that reliant on him. And they had lots of players step up. I mean, so many guys on that team had great performances. And the way they played, especially in, like, that opening game, I feel like was just... The fact that they were able to get the results they were able to get was just outstanding, I think. And I think that, like, they they were a team who they ran Croatia tight and that was, that was a tough game for the Croats. And I think that Japan now, like there's certainly, I forget where I saw it, but afterwards there's like talk about like Japan's now getting closer to reaching that top bracket of soccer nations. And I would hundred percent believe that now, you know, like they could have easily made it to the quarterfinals against another opponent. And they showed that they could play with anyone in the world. I completely feel like this is a team who next world cup, will be talking about them as a potential dark horse. And like, not in the sense of a dark horse to make out of the group, but a dark horse to make it deep into the tournament. Like, I think they have, they clearly have the talent and they had the talent of this World Cup. And it, it turned out they didn't just have the talent, they had the nerve to perform with that talent. 
And maybe, yes, the penalties let them down at the end. But now they have that experience. They've had two heartbreaking round of 16 exits in a row where they totally could have qualified. And I would bet that that talent will only continue to mature and get better because a lot of those players, I'm sure, will either be back or if they aren't back, there'll be other good players who can replace them. Oh, exactly. I mean, you look at their attack. Belon, he's 24. Maeda, he's 25. Kamada, he's 26. I thought Kamada was a lot younger. But still, still, 26 is pretty young, especially, well, in, in regards to, like, well, four years from now, he's 30. That's, like, still your prime, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Minamino, 27. Uh, yeah, I mean. Are we 24? Like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a young, young team. And so I think they could make a serious uh Serious run in the next tournament, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were they were really impressive. I thought. Also interesting to see like the Asian Cup now. The next one will be very fascinating to watch. Like they should definitely set their eyes on continental dominance, but it will be tough. Like there's a lot of really quality Asian sides right now. Oh yeah, there. I mean, Asia in this World Cup really performed well. Uh, it's well compared to expectation. They really performed well, in my opinion. Um, you know, you had that Saudi Arabia upset. You had South Korea going through to the next round. You had Australia going through to the next round. You had, um, well, next round being round of 16. You had Japan getting to the round of 16. That's that's a good World Cup for, for, for Asia and... Um, hopefully they can build on that because yeah. I really want to see a World Cup with uh, uh, four different teams from four different continents uh, in the semifinals at some point in my life. That would be absolutely fantastic. It, and you know what? I think we're heading towards that now. Like, I mean, like you talked about those Asian teams. Like, that's not even getting to the fact that, like, Saudi Arabia could have qualified. Iran could have qualified. Like, there was not an Asian team. I would say that Australia probably had the weakest squad of the Asian teams in this tournament. And look what they did. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's always fun to see teams who are from not South America or Europe doing well. And by South America, I just mean, like, the two dominant South, South American teams in Brazil and Argentina. But, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, um, going on to the next one, Spain, <laughs> or no, sorry, uh, South Korea, uh, I believe. You know, South Korea was, I mean, coming in, I, I didn't expect them to make it to the round of 16. They got harshly treated after their performance in the round of 16. People were talking like it was a joke and like it was a walk in the park. And yeah, okay, Brazil blew the game open early, and then that took a lot of the sting out of it. But look past the fact that look past the fact that they scored so many goals so early. And South Korea offensively looked like they belonged in the round of 16. They actually troubled Brazil and had some decent chances. And Allison did get colored to action. Like they didn't look, they were certainly not the weakest attacking side in the round of 16, I think. Um, I think that honor would have to go, that dubious honor would probably have to go to Poland, maybe. But like South Korea's offense at least belonged. Their defense, okay. They got outclassed by Brazil. But at the same time, 
their defense was not sensationally bad as much as Brazil was sensationally good and their defense wasn't great. And I think coming into this tournament, I thought the South Korea were going to go out in the group stage. Kyungmin Sun, their best player, wasn't even at full fitness, I don't think, and was certainly not on full form. I think this is a successful result for them. Like, this is something to build on moving forward. They're back in the round of 16. And this is another nation where there are talented players. I would bet you that I know Sun will be 34 next World Cup. I would bet you he'll come back. I just think that he'll be, I think he'll be around long enough. I think that playing for South Korea means a lot for him. Um, and they have some promising young players who hopefully the next coach, like, like Paolo Bento did not play Lee Kang-an enough. Hopefully the next coach will give him more minutes. That's the guy who could be a difference maker for them. Um, Kim Min-jae is a really promising player. Like there's, again, there's potential here. I think this was, obviously it was disappointing that they couldn't give Brazil a more competitive match. And that it slipped away from them so fast, but like there were still bright spots to take from that performance. I think that making the round of sixteen for them was a success. Oh yeah, I mean for their expectations, if you saw the group before the World Cup, um, just like with uh, Australia, they would have they would have taken it ten times out of ten getting out of that group because traditionally you have Portugal and Uruguay going through with Ghana in third. Right, but they 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 managed to uh, to somehow finish above. Well, actually, deservedly, in my opinion, finish above Uruguay and Ghana. They, I think, Uruguay were terrible, honestly, and then Ghana. I mean, the the squad is just too young at the moment to really do anything, in my opinion, because. I remember going into the tournament, their average age was something like, what, 24, 23, something like that. They had by far the youngest squad, and you could tell. Um, but but South Korea fully took advantage of that. And, you know, with with the the class of uh, Hyunmin Son, or Hyunmin Son, sorry, um, they, they got through. And, yeah, I mean... He he was not even at full health, and he was still playing not bad in some of these games. Actually, he was playing quite well. Um, what really surprised me was how well some of the um, K League players were playing. Right, uh, I was I was quite surprised because they're other than uh, Min J Kim. Their their entire defense plays uh well also other than their goalie, um their their defense plays in the K League and even with their goalie, um he plays in the Saudi Arabian League, so it's it's not even necessarily a team that uh, has much recognized talent in 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 that sense, but. Um, there is definitely talent there. I have to say, after after watching uh, those performances, I've got to say there's talent in that defense because until the Brazil game, they were holding very strong defensively. And can you really blame them for conceding four to one of the most dynamic attacks in the entire world? Like that's especially considering the fact that they've not played against players of that level before, yeah. or at least a lot of them haven't. Yeah. 
that's, I mean, like, considering that, it was a decent performance. Attacking, attacking wise, could they have been more clinical? Maybe. That, that would be really picky if I were to be picky. But, um, yeah, I mean, they attacking-wise in this game, they were fantastic. And defensively, that second half, I think they played well. But obviously, first half, uh, after that first half, Brazil didn't even really need to attack. So it was kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the level of the Brazilian players. Like, Brazil's level, even for players who've played against them before, is sensational. Like, I don't even know that it's a lack of, like, the Korean players not, uh, having played people at that level, I think it's just that Brazil was insanely good, you know? Like, I think that game, it's explicable. It's disappointing, but it's explicable. Like, I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what South Korea does next. They're another team who I think the next four years, I'll be excited to see how they develop as a squad. Completely agreed. And then on to Spain. Yeah, I mean, that's... Wow. I mean, for Spain, certainly not the way they would have wanted it to end. Um, but this felt like a very Spanish tournament in the end. Um, yeah. Of course, you get the full Spain experience, the 7-0 win over Costa Rica, who then turned out to not actually be that bad. Um, you get your you get your loss in Japan. Um, you get your draw with Germany, which could have been a loss. I mean, that's the thing. You can make the case that Spain were lucky to make it to the round of 16 because, honestly, Germany could have beaten them. And I mean, we've previously said, that, at least I previously said that I think that Germany were hard done by and were unlucky to miss out. Spain were a lot closer to the abyss than I think people realize. Um, but then also, like, you go to the round of 16, you play Morocco. Morocco's a tough team. You lose on penalties. I can't say there's a lot of shame in it. Spain had one of the, tough, one of the toughest schedules out of any teams in this tournament. I mean, we've already talked about Japan's quality. We've talked about Germany's quality. And we'll get to talking about Morocco, who were also really outstanding. Like, I think the result is disappointing. Seeing who they played makes it less disappointing. And also, like, seeing Spain's history makes this feel more par for the course than anything else. I mean, how many tournaments have we seen Spain crash out at the round of 16 or fairly early after showing flashes of being impressive and flashes of being worrisome? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And honestly, I feel like... Spain's stubbornness ended up really costing them this game. Uh, beforehand, we talk, uh, we were speaking about death by a thousand passes. Well, this was suicide by a thousand passes, right? Because they were just passing it around the back. Morocco didn't have to do anything uh, until until obviously there was an attack, and Morocco defensively were very strong in this tournament. So. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the passing stats now. 1,019 passes by Spain. Wow. None of them ended up leading to a goal, though. So that's what ends up uh, being what matters in the end. And, yeah, I mean, Morocco, you probably deserve to go through. Honestly, after... after if we're talking exclusively about regular time, I feel like they arguably had like an equal amount of chances. Um, and then obviously in penalties, 
Bonu, I mean, he is so so good. Uh, those the 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 set. He didn't concede a single penalty, not one. Uh, that's crazy to me. Out of three, he saved three in a row, and and that shows not only that a he's a fantastic keeper, but also to some extent b that behind the scenes, their their coaching staff is actually really really good because they're. They help, obviously before the game. You look at the, the 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 penalty strategies of a lot of the players on the other team, and you know before the right before a shootout, you give the the keeper basically um, summons uh, like a piece of paper, and he reads reads the paper, and it tells him which way to go. Right, it's not illegal to do that, but. Uh, and and it worked, um, and Bonu. I mean, listen, to be able to pull off some of some of the saves alone is fantastic, right? Yeah. So I feel like this performance was a masterclass on the part of Bonu, on the part of the Moroccan coaching staff, on the part of all of the Moroccan defense, and um. I mean, I I won't say attack because, listen, <laughs> they didn't score their chances either. But, um, I mean, Ziyech did well on his penalty. Sabiri did well on his penalty, and then obviously, the miss by uh, Benun, and then you know the little. Uh, the little chip by uh, Ashraf Hakimi to send uh, to send Spain home. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Spain really uh, going back to focusing on Spain. They have promise with the midfield and with the, the the general age of the team, but they're so so stubborn, and they need to stop being so stubborn. You need to play direct in 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 some games, right? I mean, direct as much as like just playing more, playing with incisiveness. You know, they need to find ways to create more chances. I think, um, or at least they need to find ways to create. They need to find ways to create goals. I don't even know if it's more chances. They just need to find ways to create goals. Honestly, yeah, that's that's fair. I, and I think it's too maybe too much of a focus on just keeping possession uh and they need to yeah basically yeah focus on that one pass right that one pass that'll get you through not and oh if it's if it's the 89th minute and it's zero zero and you don't want to have to run an extra what 30 minutes then i mean yeah you need that one final pass uh you can't you can't be passing it around 50 times when you don't have the time to do so right spain were wasting the time for themselves and uh that's ultimately what got them knocked out uh in my opinion but it's still a team that has so much talent 
and so much promise that I think that in the future they could be pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough. They have a lot of solid young players. I think the question for them now is can they find – I mean, they have a lot of stars, but they don't have, like, necessarily transcendent players in their attack. So I think a lot of it will come down to can they find a coach who can find the right balance for that squad to find goals, you know? And yeah. honestly, they didn't have everyone in this tournament. Like, Mikel Oyarzabal was not there. He was important for them at the Euros. Um, that's one example, you know? Although I, I mean, I guess most of their players were there. It'll just be interesting to see what they end up working out, you know? Exactly. And then on to Switzerland. <sighs> I, I, I predicted that. I, I remember my prediction for, for this game uh, quite well, unfortunately. Um, I, I predicted the amount that Switzerland would score correctly. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> but... Um, they conceded six, so <laughs> six instead of zero. So, and and that's um, because, in my opinion, or not in my opinion, that's because I didn't expect Ronaldo to be benched. If I'm being totally honest, and I mean Gonzalo Ramos, she in that game, that that will will end up probably being the best game of his career by far. And that'll be the game that, you know, he, he's, what, 40 years from now, right? He sits his grandchildren down at the fireplace and he says, oh, let me tell you a story about that one time I scored a hat-trick in the World Cup and 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 they benched Ronaldo for me to do it, right? Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, I mean, he he played out of his mind in that game. Uh, I think that defensively, Switzerland were so much worse than they almost always are. Um, I I don't know what really went wrong in particular. I, I think so many things went wrong that you just can't point to one in particular, right? Yeah. They... Like how, how it almost everything went wrong defensively. I mean, if we look at uh some of the stats, um, Portugal scored what sixty six percent or sixty seven percent of the shots on goal they had. So from Summer's perspective, you're looking at that and you are fuming with yourself right and i i uh, i personally think of and have thought of sommer as a as as pretty efficient keeper but even the most efficient keepers can have inefficient days right so yeah i mean i think they were just totally and utterly outclassed by this this portugal side and by uh, a, Ra a Gonzalo Ramos that uh, was quite motivated to uh, prove his coach right uh, in in benching Ronaldo for him. Yeah, I mean, certainly that was a surprise to have Ramos put up the hat trick. It was a surprise to see that it was six to one. Um, I thought this was going to be a really close game, and for Switzerland, I just think that's really disappointing. I mean, look, losing the round of sixteen for them is about par for the course. 
I think it's a little bit disappointing to begin with because they would have felt like they could have gone deeper. But it's also disappointing because the way they did it, I mean, just losing six to one is just terrible. Like that's not, it's not good. And I think that it was a terrible way to end that tournament for them. And you have to wonder like how many of those players will be back. I think it's really disappointing. And now we'll see, we'll see what comes next for the squad because I could totally see them having a bit of a shakeup um, just given the age of some of their players. And the truth is like, they should have done much better. So they will know that because like second half against Serbia, they were, I thought they were really good. And in the end, they just could not recreate that. And they actually fell far short of that. And we'll, it'll be fascinating to see what happens next to them as well. Absolutely. Um, that, that would round up the round of 16 exits. Now we have, um, now we have our quarterfinal exits. Um, so Brazil, I mean, that was, that was ultimately, I think a match where Brazil will look at themselves and shoot, uh, say we really shot ourselves in the foot here, right? So many chances, chance after chance, after chance, after chance, couldn't finish it off. Uh, and, uh, they're uh, against, against a team like Croatia, you know, you have to finish it off. Otherwise they will stay in there and they will finish you off. And that's what happened ultimately. Um, I felt that Brazil and also their fans rightfully so came into this match a bit arrogant because I mean, obviously you just absolutely obliterated a team that had a decent defense in South Korea 4-1. You just absolutely obliterated all of your group. Um, other than that one Cameroon game where, you know, nothing was really on the line. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really, uh, for them, shambolic. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say shambolic, but it'll it'll be looked back on with quite a bit of shame by some of their players uh and and i feel i i feel for marquinhos uh because he's a defender he should not be in my opinion defenders should not be unless they're trained exclusively for it which i don't think marquinhos was um they should not be taking one of the first five penalties and and we'll talk about this again a bit later on um with one of the other quarterfinal ma- uh quarterfinal matches yeah uh but yeah i mean that ultimately ended up costing them again livakovic on penalty shootouts so you're not gonna beat him i'm sorry it's just not gonna happen um and yeah i mean <sighs> It was just a really inefficient performance from Brazil and an insanely efficient performance from uh, from Croatia. Yeah. I mean, one shot on goal, one goal. Um, it's, it's funny because this is sort of this game, that sort of game has happened to Croatia before, you know? But um, they've been on the other side. Like, when they played Portugal in the Euro 2016, they were arguably the form team of the tournament. They gave up, I think it was only one shot on goal, and it goes in. This time it was their turn. 
absolutely. Um, Petkovic, again, uh, just like with Gonzalo Ramos, he's going to be in in 40 years from now sitting at his fireplace with his grandchildren. Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I scored a goal against Brazil to send my country uh, to, to a penalty shootout, which we won. Uh, and sent them to the semifinals for the second consecutive World Cup. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's it's great for him, great for Croatia, but for Brazil, you really you really look at it and say to yourself, you should have finished it, or we should have finished it off, right? Here's, yeah, I mean, but here's the thing though: it's disappointing for Brazil for sure, but. If you look at the performances, disregarding the final result, which of course the final result is disappointing, but I feel like there's a lack of recognition on Brazil's part that the issue, anybody who looks at this now and decides that this is a time for a crisis is going to miss the point, which is that Brazil actually played quite well throughout this tournament up until the Croatia game. And where they had their issues with Croatia were areas where you would have expected them to. Croatia kept the ball really well because Croatia have good possession players. That was something that everyone should have known coming in. Okay, so Croatia are going to keep possession. Now you have to take your chances. Brazil did not take their chances, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. Like, Lovakovic was great during that game. Exactly. And made some good stop. I think that this was a team who, against many other teams on many other days, they would have gone through with that performance. So to talk about it as if it's a disgrace or to say that it's a massive failure, of course, going out in the quarterfinals twice in a row for Brazil is really disappointing. But the performances aren't the issue. The issue is that they couldn't quite finish. And I'm not sure that's something that can be very hard to remedy. That's something that it's not a simple fix that helps you get over the line in those games. And I actually think that there's a lot of promise to a future for Brazil. But at the same time, there is also the concern that they did lose, they're going to lose some key players. I mean, Neymar said this is going to be his last World Cup. I can see him staying around for the Copa America. Maybe this will make him rethink things. But I would not be stunned if he's not back. That will hurt. Like, his goal against Croatia was a, a goal where if they win that game, that's part of his legend. That goal was superb. Um, Thiago Silva will not be back. He's been a bedrock for them for years. But I also think that, like, the question is just where do they go from here? Because now there's going to be a lot of pressure on them, and they'll be losing some key players probably. And the talent is totally there. They need to not lose themselves in panic. But there's potential for this to go horribly wrong if they react the wrong way to this defeat. Because in truth, this was an excellent tournament for them. Before losing to Croatia, they had been the tournament's best side, arguably. And I think that there's still a lot to build on there. But now they need to be careful to not undo all the good work they did in creating such a good squad. Because, I mean, like I remember, I think this is a better squad than the 2014 squad. And I think they played better than the 2018 squad, too. You know, like even in 2018, in the group stage, some of those performances weren't necessarily the most convincing. I think there was a lot of positives here, and I'll be fascinated to see what direction they go next, but they need to be careful to not react negatively to this defeat in a way that ends up crippling them rather than helping them grow. Oh, exactly. I mean, I think it was... It. I mean, while Brazil should be sort of embarrassed that they didn't, score more than one of those 12 shots on goal. I do also have to say that 
I mean, against most teams, you score one of those other 11 shots on goal uh, from the one that you did. Because, uh, I mean, Croatia defensively were fantastic throughout the entire match. And this isn't something that Brazil should absolutely destroy their program over. I mean, it's it's a match against an, a pretty pretty good Croatia team um, where, you know, luck wasn't necessarily on their side. So, is what it is. You got to go on to the next tournament and uh, finally, finally bring some, uh, or you got to go on to the next World Cup and finally bring it back for the sixth time. And, but for the first since, what, 2002? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that, that's the issue for Brazil. The expectations are so high, but I don't know that it's the same world that they used to be able to dominate like back then. Like, you look at their recent World Cup results. And I mean, I can't remember what the exact number is, but I have, I, let me find it. I just pulled back up. I had it. Um, like, they're, since 2002, they've had a lot of great players, but a lot of results which have been disappointing by their standards. And I think that they need to consider why is that happening and what's going wrong there. I mean, yeah, like they, they only have two World Cup medals since between 1998 and the present, which is more than most countries do. It's still fourth most in the world. But it shows that they're not like a lock for the semifinals necessarily, or even a lock to win third place. You know, like I think that they're they're a team who they have a lot of great players, but things don't necessarily work out for them. Um, and I think that you take the name Brazil off and tell another team they had the tournament that Brazil had, and they would be many teams would absolutely take that result, or they might be mildly disappointed. But they'd still be like, well, at least we at least we played really well. We're on the right track now. And I think that Brazil need to not Brazil need to for a second just take a step back and think, okay, we're Brazil, but not think about what the what the expected result is for Brazil and instead think about how they can make themselves stronger. Because that will help them to focus correctly on what they need to do rather than obsessing over a goal, which in today's modern soccer environment where there are more nations who can play at the top level and in which the Brazilian league is obviously not as comparable to Europe as it was in the past. This is not an environment where they're necessarily built to be so far ahead of everyone else anymore. And in many cases, you could argue that they are not, Brazil is not going to be, Brazil is not going to have the level of prominence that it used to have. And they need to figure out what does that mean for them moving forward. Exactly, exactly. And then moving on to the, uh, Next quarterfinal game, Netherlands uh, were out against Argentina. And and what I have to say, on the one hand, this was, for the, for the first, like, 20 minutes, the Netherlands were fantastic. And then until, what, a minute... Let's see, until like minute 78, right? The, the Netherlands were doing absolutely nothing, right? So it, if if they managed to stay in for that that period of time, this would have definitely been a different result. And I do think that 
Argentina definitely played a lot better than the Netherlands on the day. You could talk about refereeing decisions. I was absolutely fuming uh, about some of the decisions during the game, but ultimately is what it is. It wouldn't have really changed the match much other than two players being off the field or three. Um, but, I mean, still, it's like... It's a tough pill to swallow, especially because Louis van Gaal, it was the last game of his career, and then having the Argentinian players uh, sort of taunt him was kind of like, yeah, whatever. I mean, like, I get that they felt disrespected, although I do feel like also a lot of the quotes were... I don't know whether it was intentionally mistranslated or or what but a lot of them were either mistranslated or taken out of context which is unfortunate because then it paints a poor picture for Van Gaal paints a poor picture for the Dutch national team and it motivates Argentina so I understand why Argentina were annoyed they had seen what the Argentine uh Argentinian media were saying uh and uh the that Van Gaal and all these Dutch players had said allegedly nah i'm not gonna say allegedly and they had they had they had used it um and motivated themselves so ultimately if the netherlands were maybe a bit more careful with their words before the tournament maybe argentina would have been less motivated but still anyways uh in terms of positives valt weghorst i mean those two goals, absolutely fantastic. The second, I mean, yeah, uh, that was a set piece uh, from the from the playbook. Huh? I mean, yeah, it was brilliant. And then, yeah, I mean, extra time, nothing much happened. Uh, and then, obviously, we know. Netherlands and penalties is uh tale as old as time, eh? So with um I believe four out of the last five World Cups that the Netherlands have participated in have ended in either extra time, last minute or give or take of extra time, or a penalty shootout. So ultimately for the Netherlands I mean, the fans are used to it, but um, it's it's always a sour pill to swallow for for Dutch fans and for the Dutch media, and also for such a historic manager to go out like this is is painful for them. But yeah, uh, the Netherlands could they have done more? Absolutely. Should they have done more? Absolutely. Did they do what could have been enough? You could argue, but um, still, I mean, yeah, it, it was it was a complicated game like that, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like for the Dutch, this tournament honestly is—I don't know—I wasn't super high on them coming in, but I feel like it's still a little bit disappointing. Like they weren't. I didn't admit I didn't watch any of their group stage games from what I from what I know about them. I don't think that 
they were especially an imposing force in the group stage. So, A, that's disappointing. And then, B, in the round of 16, like, I thought that the U.S. were totally on their level for the first half, if not the second as well. And that was just, like, their clinicality saved them, which, like, being clinical is a great attribute to have for a team. I think that I respect they were able to get the win against the U.S., who, in my opinion, were a really quality side. So that's good, but the way they did it didn't necessarily suggest they were a great team. And against Argentina, I was not super impressed by them until late. When I, I, I agree. Like I think Veghorst was such a change for them, and it was great to see him succeed like that. I mean, that second goal was just magical. Like just watching that happen, it worked to perfection, and it was such a smart play. Like that, that to me was brilliant. But I'll also say it's kind of funny because the disappointment isn't just in the Dutch performances, but the fact that they really could have gone on to the semifinals. And I honestly think that, like, the referee really screwed them over that game because you look at the you look at the decisions that he had. Messi should have been on a yellow card early on after that handball. I'm sorry, he should have been on. He should have been on. And who knows? Maybe later on, if he complains after that, he gets in trouble, or you have him hobbled a little bit. Or the big one, though, really was Paredes. Paredes arguably could have gotten two red cards in that scenario. I mean, that first tackle was terrible and i'm not going to say it would have been a bit of a harsh red card but certainly a yellow card at a bare minimum i mean there's no other way that was just an awful challenge then he gets up boots the ball at the dutch bench surely that's violent conduct i mean there's no other way you don't hit a ball that hard just at the bench and get away with that and i'm i'll admit like i've never worked as a referee i don't know I don't know every letter in the rule book. I've heard from another source that like actually the referee made the right call not sending him off according to the rules. But at the same time, how is Paredes still on the field? I mean, come on. Like just it was terrible. And the referee yeah. throughout that game was terrible. And you have to wonder, like, let's say Argentina loses Paredes. Does that give the Dutch the confidence to go on and score a third? I don't know. Maybe it does. And even in the penalty shootout, like I've just seen they came out and they were out of energy. I think the extra time also is a tactical failure. They should have really gone for the game then. Like, I mean, Martinez has had success on penalties before. They should have known it wouldn't be easy to score on him. They should have actually tried to, like, like they had the momentum. They had every excuse to take the game to Argentina, and they didn't do it. Like, that's something that they should regret because they really could have done it. But I think just disappointing tournament for the Dutch in the end because they really could have gone one game farther. And even before the knockout stages, I don't think they were all that impressive. But it'll be interesting to see where they go next as well, because like their talent level is not as high as it's been in the past, and some of those key players are certainly aging. Yeah, I mean, uh, part part of the 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 lack of dominance is also uh, the the new tactics that Volchow were uh, was using, and that w- that's partially because of um, the fact that most of the incoming talent uh, that is young from the Netherlands is defensive. So I think he was trying to set it up in a way that played to the strengths of the squad. But I, I, I do also have to say, um, first first goal for Argentina, like, beautiful assist by Messi. But where is Blint? Uh, that's, he, he, has, he has to, surely, he, he's way out of position there, which... Can we really fault him for? He's he's a thirty-two year old man that has heart conditions and and has to has to use a heart monitor. He I don't think he should be playing in a World Cup quarterfinal at left back. Now, 
Do I love the guy? Yeah, absolutely. Absolute icon. Um, and he, he, he'll he be remembered as a club legend at Ajax for years to come. But uh, at his age, with his speed, also knowing you have Malasia on the bench, or even Frimpong on the bench, right? That's where I really have to say, no, this is um, uh, this is not your time, you know. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Paredes, the fact that he didn't get sent off alone is mind-boggling to me. Otamendi could have been sent off as well, from what I remember. He had a, one pretty bad yellow card and then a few tackles in extra time that were really 50-50 that you could have given a yellow for. Um, yeah, I mean, and then on the flip side, Argentinian fans were saying, oh, Van Dijk should have been given a red card for quote-unquote headbutting Paredes or, or doing violent conduct. A guy, a guy slams the ball at, what, 70 miles per hour at your teammate's head trying to, like, injure them. Are you not going to, like go up to him and like like that's 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 ridiculous in my opinion especially if you're the captain right and especially considering the fact that the contact in that was so minimal Paredes was already falling to the ground before contact was even made I mean I I, I made a joke to one of my friends he could have been given a yellow just for uh, simulation there but um but yeah, I mean, it it uh obviously I'm a bit biased with that joke. But still uh, yeah. And and I know a lot of people were also saying, "Oh, Timber made so many fouls and only had one yellow card." Well, if you look at the fouls, half of them were very very borderline fouls. So I I don't know if it would really be fair to send him off in that situation. Now with a messy yellow card, <sighs> yeah, it's Romero did the exact same thing uh, and got a yellow card just on a different part of the field. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and also with a different name. Exactly true, and 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 listen, I get it, right? They want uh, naturally you want Messi to be in a final, right? La Rose even had a had a quote. From one of his uh, previous games uh, with Messi, let me see if I can find it. I cannot find it for some reason. Um, hold on, I'll I'll keep looking. But but still, I mean, like you surely you have to give him a yellow for that, surely. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it is what it is, you know. Um, and also what had happened in the stands in that game was very sad. Unfortunately, uh, an American journalist, Grant Wall passed away. Um, I'm quite surprised and sad that they didn't stop the game, you know, considering that happened after the match is what I read. Or maybe no. Was it, was it after the match? Because if it was, then my opinion on that. He was tweeting during the match, which was. It was really shocking to see that he literally died that night just after I was seeing his tweets. 
And it's, yeah, I mean, that was really a tragedy. And maybe the biggest tragedy to occur during this World Cup. I mean, there's also, the, well, actually, no, there's also the death of a migrant worker who fell from a stadium roof. So this was certainly a World Cup which had some pretty horrible moments off the field. But I mean, yeah, it was just awful to see because he was young and like he was, it wasn't like it was expected or like he had a known history of health conditions. It was totally a shock. I mean, it would have been awful even if he, if it had been expected too, because you never want to see a death. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was really awful to see and really sad. And he was really like a leading voice in American soccer and he will be missed. Absolutely. But yeah, on the lighter note, you had mentioned the, um, the ages of, or the, the incoming crop of Dutch players. I would argue that the incoming crop could end up better than the current crop or, or the, the older sort of crop uh, with with Depay and all those guys. Because um, uh, I'm looking at it now, Xavi Simons, he's been fantastic for PSV. Yeah. Uh, Malassi has been fantastic for Manchester United. De Ligt has been pretty good for Bayern. Um, Jurian Timber, he's... I mean, he's out of form, but 98% of that you can put on Alfred Truder being the Ajax manager. Um, uh, Dumfries is still pretty young. De Jong is still pretty young. Bergwijn is still generally pretty young. Gakpo, still pretty young. Um, Noah Long could be a player to look out for in the future. So Kenneth Taylor, he's he, he has his moments. Ryan Gravenberg didn't get selected for this World Cup. He's pretty good. So I mean, they're they're obviously they're going to be losing a lot of players. Also, Don Koopmeiners, uh, who um, got the assist for the the goal from uh, Valvechors and scored a goal in the penalty shootout. He's twenty four as well. But what I do have to say is that. Like, listen, the, the, the incoming crop, eh, we'll have to see. I, I think that they can be fantastic. But that's if they play to their potentials, right? And potential yeah. is a very strong word um, because you can't quantify potential, right? Until, obviously, it happens. But, yeah. Um, moving on to the next team to get eliminated that was portugal yeah i mean that it's not a good result for them in the end i think i think after the switzerland game there was really a sense that they would be able to make a deep run and it did not pan out that way and well certainly i mean they could have beaten morocco but that was disappointing that was a big chance for them with the talent they had they really could have. They, I mean, you have to think that they should have been able to transfer at least some of that momentum from the Switzerland game to the Morocco game and find a way to get some goals. And Morocco were a great side, but they couldn't do it. I think that there will now be a sour taste in Portuguese mouths after this World Cup, and especially because now they also probably have seen Ronaldo play his last World Cup. Well, he wasn't a key player for them. I'm sure they would have wanted to send him out on a high note as well. And they'll also probably now be losing Pepe who has also been crucial for them. Well, they have a lot of good young players. Like I thought that Joao Felix was better than I expected in this tournament. 
Although, admittedly, I wonder why Rafael Leal was not made a more crucial part of the squad. Like, he's a great player, and I'm not sure why. I feel like he was maybe a little bit underutilized. Um, they have the talent going forward, but certainly they could have done better here. And I think, I think they'll feel like they could have really performed better as a team. It's also entertaining to see they're now considering bringing Mourinho as the next manager, which I feel like would be a potential recipe for a further disaster, but that's my personal opinion. I think that Mourinho's moment is gone. Um, but it'll be fascinating to see what comes next for them as well, because now they're really going to have to, like, how do they rebound from this disappointment? Absolutely. You had mentioned Leal. Uh, six goals in 14 games for AC Milan and Serie A. I mean, how do you not play a player who is so, so good? That yeah. that becomes the question. Joao Felix, he was he was good throughout the tournament, uh, and, I, and I get that. And he's he's been decent uh actually yeah quite quite decent for um for Atleti but I, I I just don't get how you don't play Leal. Yeah. But yeah, I mean in the end again it came down to clinicality. Um and uh, Morocco had shown throughout the tournament they're one of the most clinical sides out there and I mean that uh, if 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 we're looking at keeper errors, Diego Costa, I mean, what or Diogo Costa? That was with the one nothing for yeah, and the city. You have you have the arm advantage, and I I, I get the and the city was insane. Uh, he he jumped, I, I think two meters, so like. He jumped very high, but you still have to get to that as a keeper with your arm, right? You have that advantage. And, I mean, was it Diaz the, uh, that, that, that was the other defender in that? I think, I think it might have been. But that was, that was really, um, you have to at least challenge for that. I think he even stayed like, almost completely on the ground. He was ducking uh, when Ennisiri was uh, jumping up. So in the, that, that, that error uh, from, from those two and maybe a bit of miscommunication really ended up costing them. And, I mean, what a story Morocco were, huh? Yeah. We'll get more into them in a bit. But, yeah, I mean, Portugal it's 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 one of those those cases where you look at the squad and you say this is a squad that should be um challenging for a world cup right they have the talent they have insane amounts of talent but it's just not clicking uh and i think that's partially because of maybe an over-reliance on certain players in the past, which I can respect. If you have one of the greatest players of all time, you're going to rely on him a decent amount. But I feel like they almost centered their tactics around him for such a long time that this adjustment where now he's not as good as he once was, and that's understandable, he's 37, 
this this adjustment that they have to make they they weren't used to it they weren't ready to make that adjustment um and that i feel costed them in the end uh and then on to england yeah i mean well england uh disappointing for them as well they were better than france and i mean harry kane missing that penalty was a shock for sure he did look nervous before the first penalty and i think he was nervous for those penalties or i don't know what was going through his mind but he's normally pretty reliable on penalties and you could say that they at least deserved extra time. I mean, they at least deserve to go to extra time. I think that they'll feel they're certainly going to be one of the teams who will feel the most disappointed. I think it's them, Brazil, and Portugal are the three who will really feel like they could have done more. And I mean, just not not the way they would have wanted this tournament to end at all. And they were a team who throughout this tournament, like I thought their performance against Iran was outstanding. Um, especially given the fact that after that game, what from what Iran showed. England beating them 6-2 was quite a good result. Um, the U.S. performance was not great. They casually brushed aside Wales. I didn't watch that game, but I think that's, from what I know, it sounds like that was a pretty convincing victory. And then the Senegal game, like they huffed and puffed for a bit, but they eventually got their act together and started going. And I think that they showed during this tournament they were a consistent side, but they had the ability at their best to maybe be the best team in this tournament. And they just didn't always have that. I think against France, Southgate's substitutions or his lack thereof for a while were rather strange. I would have brought on Grealish early. I think Grealish could have really troubled the French defense. Um, I think Rashford would have been another great player to bring on. But this is a team who certainly, they will feel like they could have gone farther. And I think that it's important to note that like they have a lot of good young players coming up. And I think that 2026, though, it will be like now or never for them. So I have a lot of guys in their prime. And that will probably be the last World Cup for Kane or Sterling. Um, potentially as well. And yeah, I mean, there's so much talent on this side. They definitely missed an opportunity there with that Kane penalty. And I feel terrible for Kane too, because he's a wonderful player and has been so good for England on so many occasions. But that was a massive moment for them. And if they'd taken that, I think they could have gone on to win that game. And I think they would probably be in the final now. Yeah, I mean, England, it's... uh listen they 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 can have their uh frustrations with the referee and i would understand completely i feel like he did miss a few calls but 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 um uh that's no excuse for missing a penalty ultimately so listen with with harry kane he's one of those players where I really, really think that he is an absolutely fantastic player, but maybe it comes down to like a lack of experience in in, in like big games. I, I don't know what it is. Like he's played well for Spurs in some of their big matches. I mean, he's gotten plenty of goals for Spurs when they needed it. It's just yeah. Maybe it's I I don't know what it is, but. It, it it feels like uh, for England sometimes, oh, and also just in general for England, not just Harry Kane, when it comes down to the real nitty-gritty, in, in, in games against tough opposition, they just can't finish it off, yeah. right? Uh, like, 
I think that what in in Southgate's reign, what are some of the teams that's beaten? Right, we look back twenty eighteen in in the knockout rounds. It was Colombia, then it was who Sweden. Sweden. Sweden, and then they got knocked out to Croatia, right? Which, I mean, for a semi final run. That's not the strongest opposition, right? And then they lost in the um, uh, third place match against Belgium, which ultimately, let's be quite honest with ourselves, playing for third place is playing for second best loser, right? Ultimately, no, no offense, but that's that's the mentality a lot of the players have going into a match like that. And then, what the the Euro run? That was they they beat Germany, right? Mm-hmm. And then, which I mean, mm-hmm. looking back on it, probably is not as impressive as it was back then, right? They beat um, who who did they beat in the Ukraine? Court? Ukraine and Denmark. Ukraine and then Denmark. So that's, and then in this World Cup, in the knockouts, they beat Senegal, right? So if we're talking about games against big opposition, right? I'm talking France, right? I'm talking like Argentina. I'm talking Brazil, right? Even even Belgium in a lot of instances. It feels like they just don't know what to do against teams like that, which is understandable. I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's kind of self-explanatory that you play worse against better opposition, right? But it feels like they just collapse in, in, in these situations. Like they get their chances. Don't get me wrong, but like, so something just happens, right? And they can't ever finish it off. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal. I, I just think, like, they played well, and they'll be disappointed because they played well. Absolutely. Um, and And especially considering the fact that, you know, this French side... They, they had an Mbappe plan, and let's be quite fair, the Mbappe plan worked. They just didn't have a Giroud plan, and they didn't yeah. have a Chouamani plan, right? And that Chouamani goal is just class. That's the yeah. other thing, too. It's not even like they conceded goals that were necessarily stoppable. Like, that Chouamani goal does not happen every day. And that was a moment of supreme skill, which England just didn't have that magic moment, you know? And that's that's just... a that's unfortunately the way luck works sometimes. I mean, you'd expect that with the way that that game played out, England probably wins that game more time than not, more times than not. But that was not how it worked out for them in the end. Exactly, and that's ultimately the history of England. Uh, in in a lot of big games, ever since 1966, it, it, it ends like this, right? Where yeah. you have a match that that you're looking at beforehand and saying. Not necessarily 
that they will win. But the, this is a match where they have a shot, right? Yeah. And then they blow it. it is something just snaps in their minds. And yeah. But yeah. Um, England or England. That is not a new story. <laughs> um, and then for Croatia. I mean, for Croatia, this tour is weird because on the one hand, it's a great result for them. On the other hand, I feel like their performances were kind of disappointing for a lot of it. Um, I thought they would be more fluent offensively than they were. And unfortunately, they were not very fluent offensively, but their midfield was great. They did enough. Their defense bailed them out when it needed to. And they, I think for Croatia, like they'll be disappointed with the Argentina game. After the game, they claimed that it was not a penalty. I mean, look, it's a it's a tough penalty. It's tough to swallow because there's nowhere for the Vlakovic to go. But I do think it's a penalty in the end. Um, and I just think that like after that penalty, their defense was not good. And the second goal, credit to Alvarez for continuing to fight through it. But that's not a goal that you should concede in any way, shape, or form. I thought that for the first 30 minutes, Croatia were the better side. They were following their game plan. I honestly thought that they would win that game going in. Um, and I'll admit that. And maybe that was because like, I'm sympathetic to, sympathetic to Croatia and have faith in them. But like, I thought that coming off the Brazil game, they could totally handle Argentina. And for 30 minutes, they did what they needed to do, which is they played possession. They dictated the pace of the game. They had the better midfield and they used it. And they should have just kept doing that and waited for the chances to come. But instead, they, they gave up the penalty. Then they gave up the second goal. And then after that, they just never really threatened the way they should have threatened. And they honestly, I think that was a really missed opportunity for them. Like if they had stuck to their plan from the first 30 minutes, even after the penalty, if they just been like, okay, like that's it. Disappointing. We'll go back to playing the way we want to play. But they didn't. They gave Argentina more leeway in the game. They didn't dominate as much. And in the end, they paid for it. And I thought that in the third place game, they had some nice offensive work. Um, they were less controlling because I think in part because they rested Brozovich and they had more, but they had, they had some nice moments. I think in the end, this was a tournament where they, they got a great result. Croatia has now made the semifinal. I mean, Croatia, I think now officially is among the top tier of soccer nation. Oh, like, absolutely. The way that people talk about, say, a Portugal, who maybe they're not like on the level of, say, a Germany or a Spain or a France. Croatia have had better results than Portugal with the exception of the 2016 Euro at recent tournaments, you know? And admittedly for Croatia, like, even when you look back at Euro 2016, which I referenced earlier, that was a tournament where through the group stage, they were that tournament's form team. And they've always had the talent. They've always had the ability. They just haven't had the luck. This tournament, they got some of those lucky bounces. Um, but I think it was really impressive for them against Brazil. Like, they, they kept possession, which I expected from them. Croatia's a team who, ha- who has the ability to possess against virtually anyone. Um, except maybe Spain. That's just because Spain is so concerned with, with possession. Um, and like they executed their game plan. They made the defensive stops they had to, and they took their chance. You know, that was a great result for Croatia. Though we disappointed with Argentina, but in the end, I think this is a positive tournament for them. I just wish they'd done it in a little bit more style and that their offense had been more fluent. Now I think the question is looking forward to Euro 2024. They've got a lot of young players coming through. Um, who I think are actually going to be quite good for them in the end. I think their offense could be even better. The question will just be, does Modric decide to stick around for another tournament? He said he's going to stay around for the UEFA Nations League finals. And 
if he doesn't, can they at least keep a semblance of, I mean, they'll still have a great midfield, but can they still dominate possession the way they once did? And if they can, I think they're poised to stay relevant for a while because their squad is certainly on a similar level to a lot of other teams. And I mean, you think about it, only two teams have had more medals at a World Cup between 1998 and 2022 than Croatia, and that's France and Germany with four each. So Croatia's shown that it belongs. And the question is just from here, how high can they go? And as Modric say. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, we talk about the, or you, you, you spoke about the, the defense for Croatia being very poor. And I agree with that other than two very key players in this match, Gvardiol and Livakovic throughout this entire tournament, they had both been absolutely superb. And with Guardiol, I feel very bad for him because on that third goal, yeah, you can't do you can't do anything about that. I mean, that was that was just an insane play by Messi. That was that was the play of a legend. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like he did everything that a defender is supposed to do in that situation, and he still. I mean, it's. Yeah, it, Messi is something else. But yeah, uh, Livakovic, he's absolutely getting a move out of out of um, uh, Zagreb very soon after this World Cup. And uh, I've heard a lot of whispers about where it could be. Um, I know that Ajax are in for him. Um, there was originally... Um, uh, what was it? Oh yeah, I know the Ajax are in for him. Originally, people were saying that uh, Bayern would be in for him, but I-, I don't really know how true that is. I don't think that's true in the end. Um, but yeah, what was the other team that were in for him? Um, it was Ajax and I think Monaco. I've seen yeah Monaco. I feel like I heard everywhere that maybe Bayern would go for him, but I've also heard that maybe that won't happen. I think maybe I'm misremembering that. Yeah, because I know in the Dutch media, uh, they've said that Ajax are now looking at him, but uh, I had heard also that some Liga and clubs were looking at him. And listen, regardless of the team, would be a fantastic addition, especially after a tournament like this. But yeah. Lovren, I was very disappointed in him in the last game. Uh, he He's a very mature and experienced player, unlike, uh, for example, Sosa or Gvardiol or Livakovic, but I felt like in that final game, he was not very good. Sosa was also, in that final game, not great. And, yeah, Juranovic... He was he was sort of on the opposite side from all of the all of the mayhem from what I can remember, but still, I mean, that, like, there's not much you can do considering it's against Messi and arguably one of the best. And I'm going to say this: arguably one of the best young players in the world in Julian Alvarez. One of the I'm not saying the because the debate at the moment for me is uh, Haaland, Mbappe, 
and uh, yeah, it's Holland and Mbappe at the moment. Um, but here's what? Here's what I will say though. Like you mentioned with that defense, apart from the Argentina game, I thought they were great. Oh, absolutely. Which is part of what's so disappointing about how the Argentina game went down. And I'll also say, even with Lovren, they have a replacement for him. Like going in, it looked like it would actually be, it would not be him starting. And that instead, it might be Josip Sutolo. Sutolo. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think they're set moving forward there too. They have they have solid players there. And even like, um, I mean, Juranovic could get a big move after this. He's great against Brazil. Oh yeah. he. I mean, like, the, these players throughout the tournament played well. But, I mean, like, for a final game, that's a disappointing way to get knocked out of the tournament. Yeah, for sure. I definitely I think they will – I think part of them will probably rue it. I hope that they're happy with the result they had because they had a great tournament. But, yeah, certainly they could have gone even farther. Absolutely. And then Morocco. Oof, this was This was sad. I was sad that they got knocked out, honestly, because you know a lot of a lot of these players. I grew up watching in Eredivisie, right? And like Zier, and I know Amrabat used to play in Eredivisie, and uh, Uani uh, might get a move, or Unai might get a move to uh, to uh, a high level Eredivisie side soon. Masrawi, of course, right? Like, it's it's fun to see players that that you recognize from 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 growing up succeed. But um, but yeah, uh, ultimately, this France side were just a bit too good for them, which is sad, right? Because uh, Morocco had some pretty serious chances, right? Yeah. They had that. 50-50 pen call, was it a pen, was it not, we'll never know. I I know for sure he should have never been – Buffal should have never been given a yellow for that. Yeah, that was... that was a ridiculous decision. Um, And then they stayed in it. They kept it at one uh, one nothing until and, – and could have made it 1-1 with a penalty or even with that. 45th minute um uh shot from uh, El Yamik that went off the post after a beautiful save by uh Loris. I mean, listen, Loris top goalkeeper not mm, almost no other keeper is going to save that, I think. Yeah, his reflexes are outstanding. Yeah, and then Kolo Muani who I'm v- I was definitely a surprise for getting into this France lineup, especially after some of the controversy he's had in the past. He was he was a surprise addition um, after some injuries, and I mean, listen, the minute he got subbed on, he scored. So uh, that's a good way to make your World Cup. Uh, I I don't think it's his debut. No, it's not his debut, but. It is a good way to uh, to put yourself in a higher standing with uh, with the manager Didier Deschamps, uh, and then yeah, Morocco, absolutely fantastic run, right? Um, 
and yeah, I mean, it's it's sad because like a lot of these players, actually no, a lot of these players are at an age where they'll be able to play in the next World Cup. The only exception to that is actually probably the most important exception, which is um, Bonu. The fact that he will not be at the next World Cup most likely because of the fact that he'll be 35. I mean, keepers do last a while, though. Like, Tim Howard's 35 in 2014. True, but at 35, you already start to drop off a bit. Hopefully not, because I want to see him at another World Cup, and I want to see Morocco do well at another World Cup, because it was a fantastic run. Actually, looking at it now, I had no idea Naziri was 25, so he could easily go for another two World Cups, right? Ziyech is 29. This this is definitely his way of... Uh, of not his way of getting a, a move, but definitely... Uh, He's shown Chelsea that he still has talent and that if they're not going to use his talent, then they should probably uh, sell him. Uh, Masrawi, I mean, man, I miss Masrawi at Ajax. I got to be totally honest. He, uh, he is so special, man. Honestly, seeing him play. And Ashraf Hakimi, another absolutely special player i mean yeah the these these players from morocco going in actually before the tournament i i had said this i had said if they don't get Ziyech, i don't see them i see them being extremely underwhelming right and i think the addition of Ziyech turned this team around you look at the friendlies before the world cup they were absolutely horrendous absolutely terrible right then they sacked their manager, brought back Sikh, brought back brought back Masrawi, and now uh, now they're a world beater, which is insane to me. It's crazy to think, but but yeah, it's a it's a fun team, uh, and uh, also in the way they play, uh, it's it's almost like a tiki taka in 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 some instances with some of the passing you see. Right, they they're not afraid to show their skill. Uh, they'll do some back heels. They'll do uh, switches across the field with the best precision you've ever seen. Right, it's 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 a it's an entertaining team to watch, but you know, it's yeah. a sad way to go out. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were great. I mean, they have to be the story of this World Cup. Um, first African team to reach the semifinals. And they they did it with some great results. Like I said this repeatedly throughout the tournament. They were the only team in this tournament who I felt like didn't have a single disappointing result where it was like, seriously, you could have done better. Like you look at the opponents they played, they were playing, they're going toe-to-toe with strong teams. Um, and they showed that they had multiple ways of doing it too. Like a lot of games they played really defensive, but then against France, when they went down, they started to go for it and honestly showed that they could trouble France that way too. Like it wasn't like they were just relying on defense and finding a goal here and there. Um, and I mean, in the end, like, I don't even know that, like, people talk about Hikimi, they talk about Ziyech. I feel like Ziyech honestly could have been better. Like, I was not even that impressed by him. It wasn't like they were relying on a couple of star players. They had lots of players contributing and really raising their game for them. I mean, like, 
for example, Unahi's a guy who had some great moments. Um, Bufal's a guy who had some great moments. Um, I mean, those are guys who I'm sure will get moves soon, especially given that Angers is not doing too great in Liga. Um, it's just, it's, it was a really impressive story. Their coaching was great, while the Idragragi really got great results for this team. And I'm excited to see what they can do next because a lot of these guys, like you said, should be able to come back. And there's tons of potential for them to only get stronger for, from here. And certainly they're a country who's had talented players in the past. In 2018, they had some good performances at the World Cup, but it just didn't work out for them. Like they're, they're a team to watch now. And they were really impressive with the results they were able to get. And it's, it's hard to do a team ever run like this justice. Like they were historic and they earned it. They really did. They were, they were outstanding. Yeah. And I mean, also with, with a team like Morocco, a lot of the players come from um, Spain, the Netherlands, or France, right? They they were born there and they grow up in the academy systems there. So that actually could be very beneficial to Morocco because after a World Cup like this, um, a lot of the dual nationals who are pretty talented that are in, um, uh, for example, Eredivisie academies, which are pretty well renowned for being some of the top creme de la creme, right? Some of these players who in the past would have said, ooh, you know, the Netherlands or, ooh, you know, Spain might be a better option for me. Now they're going to be saying, ooh, Morocco just went to a World Cup semifinal and they were playing uh, very pretty soccer and they um, they knocked out some of the best teams in the tournament. So it could it could actually really boost their their entire program, and yeah. uh, and also for me the second that after the Spain match, they they immediately found uh, uh, a Nuri jersey, uh, Abdelhak Nuri jersey, and they they started parading it around the the locker room. That that really for me was when they won me over. Uh, won won me over as a team i mean that was that was so sweet of them to do honestly um but yeah uh i'll also say though like you mentioned their overseas the the players who were born overseas morocco has a quietly strong academy system itself like the muhammad the sixth academy is outstanding and some of those guys in that squad were also domestic so they'll have the added boost where they don't only they won't only need to rely on expat on families players from families i mean maybe expat is the right term here because they're families who've actually fully immigrated um sorry semantics i'm not sure what quite the right term would be but they're not just going to be relying on players who are from families who's who've emigrated from morocco they've also got a local talent pipeline too and like i mean like atiat Allah is playing for a moroccan league club you know like there's talent to be found in that league even like i mean elia meek if he'd scored that goal in the in the semifinal by the way goal of the tournament that was an amazing strike and the way he did it through traffic too like larissa's save was outstanding because that was that would have been a goal that would have been amazing but like he's born in morocco you know like a lot of them they have those two sources of talent i think that that's something they can really build on there's a lot of talent for this country yeah i mean it's a it's a fantastic team and i really hope they uh 
they do well uh, in the future, and I think they will do well in the future. But yeah. So yeah. now we have our final. Yeah. Argentina, France. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, what's your prediction for this one? It's certainly a clash of two titans. I'm going to say that it's going to be a 2-1 win after extra time for Argentina. Um, I think that, you know, with some of the French players, apparently there was, uh, there's a bit of illness going along uh, or going through their lineup. And actually that really doesn't necessarily impact them too much, but I mean, Julian Alvarez against uh, against who who would be their third string center back France. Well, as of today, everyone's healthy in training. Serious? Oh, because yeah, apparently a few of their players were. Uh, I mean, sick. I think some of them are probably still sick, but they've confirmed that as of today, everyone is training. That's that's good for them, but I still think that uh, Argentina win two one after extra time because. Uh, and I and I think first goal is going to be Julian Alvarez, um, equalizer by Mbappe. Yeah, by Mbappe, and then um, Messi scores uh, in the end to win it for Argentina. But um, yeah, I mean, like I don't really have any. Any say in who I would prefer in this in this final? Because if I'm being totally honest with my biases, I, I I'm not too much of a fan of either of these teams. <laughs> but 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 um, <laughs> let me let me be clear: they're both fantastic teams, right? And they both deserve to be in the final. I'll say. Um, uh yeah they they both i mean i had <laughs> i had uh argentina uh in the final and also against a group d team but i got the wrong group d team um <laughs> so <laughs> uh yeah um I, I i think it'll be an absolutely fantastic match um i'm excited to see uh how or if um, Argentina end up playing Martinez or Otamendi, um, I really hope it's Martinez because I like Martinez quite a bit. And because I think that he... It's tough as well because um, Giroud, allegedly, there were there were whispers that he might not play. Um, or might come on as a substitute. So if he does end up being a substitute, then I think that uh, starting Martinez would be smart, smartest. But if he does end up coming on, I think you got to switch Martinez for Altamendi just because of the height. Uh, it's it's kind of like a, what a, a six foot four Giroud. Against the what five eight Martinez five nine yeah yeah 
yeah, that would be, uh, that would aerially not be a great comparison. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it all depends on how Scaloni sets up. If he sets up, uh, in the way he did against Croatia, um, uh, except, except, yeah, with, with that one switch of Martinez instead of Otamendi, I think that, um, I think that they would still beat France. I do. I really do. Um, although, yeah, I mean, France, they have, they have a lot of fight in them, but yeah, it'll be a fun match to watch. What are your predictions? Um, I think I'm gonna have to copy you on this one and go two on Argentina after extra time. I my opinions on these teams are I think France are the more talented team. Um, I think that as usual though they don't always live up to that talent. I, I was impressed by the way they've been able to survive against England and Morocco, but you can certainly make the case they should have lost to England, and arguably Morocco could have found a way to beat them too. So. They've, they've lived, they've found ways to go through with moments of brilliance, but they've lived on the edge a lot. And by contrast, Argentina were not very good up until the semifinal when I thought that they really, after the first 30 minutes in which Croatia were the better side, Argentina were superb against Croatia. I mean, they made Croatia's defense, which had up until then been great, look very poor. They made, they made their midfield look short of brilliant, which is not something that you see very often. And they made their attack look impotent. And I I think the Argentina are lucky to be here. I was disgusted by their conduct against the Dutch. They have been a terrible, in my opinion, they've been a terrible representative of their country in this World Cup. Um, I think that that was just shameful behavior by them during the game against the Netherlands. And I think that they are they were lucky to survive that. But boy, against Croatia, they showed up and they played. And Neither one of these teams has convinced me throughout the entire tournament, but in the end, Argentina's last, I mean, it goes to, it goes into what have you done for me lately? And Argentina's recent performance is better than France's most recent performance. And well, France has had good results. I think that beating Denmark is despite Denmark's ultimate demise, a decent result. I think destroying Australia the way they did is a very good result, especially considering that Argentina labored late against Australia but I, I trust Argentina on form, and, well, I hate to say it because I think that they have gotten a helping hand from the referee in, in the quarterfinal um, to get here. It doesn't look like they are Destiny's team at this point. Like, I think that I trust them to find it eventually. Um, and, well, I think that maybe some of it's been overhyped. Like, I've seen people comparing Messi's World Cup to Maradona's in 1986, which I think could not be... Um, a fair comparison in any way. Messi's had wonderful moments, but like he's not he's not been a player who's dominated every game. He's been a player who has shown that he has wonderful class at specific moments, which have often proven to be decisive in every game, you know? Yeah. But I think that, I think that he will have another magical moment in him. And I think that Argentina as a team will have one more performance in them where they will show like if they play the way they did against Croatia, they will win the World Cup. And I think that they're going to be close to that level again. And the ultimate question that comes from this is, if Messi wins this World Cup, is he officially the greatest player of all time? Uh, I don't think it's as simple as that. Um, I think that whether he wins or loses shouldn't determine that conversation because it's just one game. 
True. And like, let's be honest, he's had an amazing World Cup, but I wouldn't say that like, even if they win, I don't know that he gets the golden ball, you know? Like, has he been better than Mbappe? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's been. debatable, true. Yeah, I feel that's debatable. Has he been better than Griezmann even, you know? Like, that's debatable too. Um, I mean, Griezmann's been great. Yeah, true. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think people will treat him like he's the GOAT afterwards, but I feel like one match shouldn't determine it. Um, his body of work is outstanding. I think he might be. It's hard to know. Like, I feel like because I would really have to go back and watch Pele's performances to compare the two. Uh, I'd say that right now, like, I mean, Messi, Maradona may have been more skillful than Messi, but I feel like Messi's done more in his career than his compatriot, with the exception of winning a World Cup. And, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Tomorrow will be fascinating. Yeah. I feel like already before this final, I feel like he's already surpassed Ronaldo. No no offense. Yeah, Ronaldo, I agree. Of course. But now what is the argument for Ronaldo? I, I think almost every record that Ronaldo had, other than in Champions League, Messi has taken over. So, I mean, like, yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I would also be very split between Messi, Pele, and Maradona, but uh, it really depends on his performance in this final. If he takes over completely and just dominates like he did against Croatia and like argue like he did for m- other moments throughout this World Cup, you know, I don't even know that he dominated for Croatia the, against Croatia though. Like he wasn't dominant; he just had some amazing moments. Like Argentina won that as a team. Croatia struggled to deal with him, but he wasn't controlling the game. You yeah, know? I mean, it's it's tough because, like, yeah, if he has a really superb performance in the final, and I mean, like, scoring two goals and maybe assisting one, then I think you could argue that the case is closed. I think. But if not, it's really tough. Uh, if If not... I feel like you could still really debate it between him, Maradona, and uh, Pele. And with Pele, it's it's tough because I know a lot of people disrespect him in in the modern day because of the of the players he was playing against. But then you also have to take into account, well, those players had the same, if not more, um, uh like resources that he did at that time right so you know they greatest and best right that's that's always it's a semantic argument in fairness uh or it's an argument about semantics and fairness but i mean like greatest could also mean like in terms of impact and in terms of like it's t- and also in terms of what you did with what you had, you know, and also taking into account who you played against, right? So Pele, I, I think it, it's tough because now I think he's really 
I think that if he wins this, he probably is the best of all time. A great, uh, greatest of all time. I don't know about best because best, best is more subjective, right? Greatest also takes into account like a legacy, right? So it's it's complicated. It's weird, but we will find out from the final. And uh, yeah, thank thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I'm Holden Williamson here with Dash Tischler. This was the Considering the World Cup podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode for the review of the final. Uh, have a nice day, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Goodbye.